You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Uh. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks, Foul Weather, and my latest book, Kitty Cornered. And I'm here with my wife, Linda. Hello. And we're doing another podcast. It's been a little while, hasn't it? It has. It seems like a long time. It has been a long time. And we have got a good theme this time. And the theme is backyard wildlife photography. We've got a couple of gadgets for doing that. And in fact, they are gadgets for automatically taking photos of backyard or in the barn wildlife. Makes it much easier, believe me. And we had a good reason for doing that, but you can also do it just for reasons of fun that you want to know what's coming around. So I'll tell you the reason we got into this, and that's because um, a couple of years ago now, our last mink incursion into our barn was actually January 1st, 2012. Did you know it was that far back? Yeah, I know. It was New Year's Day right around there. Yeah. So since then, we've already talked on the show before about how we built a mink-proof sleeping room for our critters in the barn and also a mink-proof pen. But we noticed... This winter, in the snow, a few times we saw what were definitely mink footprints. Outside the outside pen, there's a walkway, yep. and there were these footprints. Yep. Can't we, get into the pen, but still, they were there. Yeah, we saw, one morning we saw what were obviously mink footprints just because of their interest in trying to get into the... Um, they could probably smell the animals. Right, and of course the animals were inside the barn then, but still, so we knew the mink was still coming was around. around. So I wanted to find out if... We were actually getting a mink still coming into our yeah, barn, in barn because yeah. it's an old barn and there's places where it could well, still that's get how in. We got in the first place. So I got the idea of trying to get a surveillance camera to put in the barn. But the things we were looking for, we originally thought of getting a. By the way, you can hear some of our pet birds in the background. Yeah. Uh, we were originally thinking of getting a video camera set up, but those things are just a little bit too expensive. Yeah. So, so we didn't do that. And so then my next idea was getting a wildlife camera. I started finding some wildlife cameras on the web, and uh, those were a lot more affordable, and they would take still pictures or take videos in the dark even. But Motion I, detectors. Yeah, motion detectors. But as I checked into those, there was a problem with them, and the problem was that they were mostly made for big game. It's for deer hunters who want to know where the deer is coming around or maybe even people want to know where bears are. And they were did not have the sensitivity to register small things. Yeah, like a mink. So I didn't know what to do and just kind of by going around the web I ran into this product and now we're not selling this or endorsing it, but it's something we like that we got and it's called BirdCam 2.0, BirdCam 2.0. Fairly recently priced. Yeah, it was. Um, we got it on special at actually at B and H Photo, and it was like one hundred and twenty dollars. It's not too bad. So that's for a 
automatic camera that has a motion detector and you can set it for different degrees of sensitivity and it'll take photos. You can mount it to chairs or whatever. Yeah, so we got it and uh, I tried it and they said one of the easiest ways to try it is to just set it on the ground, adjust the focus and put some uh, bird seed on the ground and see what you get. And we did that, and we did get a few pictures, but it took surprisingly few pictures over the course of like three hours. And I found out that uh, you can adjust the sensitivity, and I had it adjusted for way too uh, low sensitivity. And I also had it to only take one picture every time it was triggered. And so I think we got like six pictures in three hours or something, so it wasn't very good. So that was the first test. And then I played with it a while. And I had the idea of, we have a um, pileated woodpecker. You, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, it's been coming around a long time now. I was going to say, did it come all winter? It uh, most Christmas. of the winter. Was that, oh, yeah, that's right. It came on Christmas Day. That was the first time it came. We thought it was a gift from God. And it's come ever since then. comes every day or so, well, several times a day. And it comes to a tree out in our backyard by the deck that we can see out the window. And we put suet there. And she comes to it all the time. Yes, she does. So I thought that I've been trying to take pictures of her through the window, and I don't have much luck because we have kind of old window glass, in double-pane glass in our dining room. So I thought, well, let's try the bird cam. So I set up the bird cam, oh, probably about 20 feet away, and I put it on high sensitivity and set it up for a couple of hours, and darned if we didn't get some pretty good pictures of that bird. Yeah, they're of, good. Of the they were good. Yeah. And so I like that. That seemed uh, pretty good. I didn't think she'd even come around that day. But lo and behold, after looking at all the uh, film footage, it was not film, but uh, at all the footage, there she was in several frames. Yep. So it turned out to be pretty cool. So we thought, um, finally, I got a little bit used to using it because it's sort of an odd camera to use. I'll talk about that in a minute. So we thought we'd set it up in the barn. So I wanted to find out if... The mink was coming down this alley right in front of the door where our ducks and geese spend the night. So I first set up the camera right there and put it on high sensitivity. And Linda, why don't you talk about what happened that first night I set it up? Well, I was taking a walk at dusk down by the barn and looking at, uh, was it flooded at that time? I can't remember. I was down there looking at something. And I saw a flash of light inside the window of the barn. I thought, what's going on? Maybe that mink is in there right now. So I went and got Bob because I was kind of scared to walk in there by myself with a mink there. Well, possibly a mink was there. So he come out. And you said the ducks and geese were making a lot of noise. They're making a racket. That's what scared me. I was afraid that something was going on with the ducks and geese and that they were scared. So um, I got Bob and we went out there. And did you bring that thing in at that time? I mean, we didn't see anything. No, but what I did was I found out that I had the thing set at high sensitivity, which isn't really a problem, but I had it pointed, it was set up in an area Towards the floor, kind where of. it was a real narrow area, and so almost anything, anything was set trigger it. Yeah, uh, so we found out that, I looked at the pictures and a mouse was triggering it. <laughs> you could see in some of the frames this little head come out of the base of the wall. He'd come out and go back in and come out, and I think the flash would scare him. 
So he'd go back in and come out, and that's what was triggering all those flashes, this little tiny mouse. And I had this right in front of the pen where the, you know, the door where the ducks and geese are, and they were getting all these flashes, and they did not scared. like it. They didn't like it. It was waking them up. So what I did was I moved it to another part of the barn, and then I, I set it up, and we'll, we'll tell you what happened with that. But I want to tell you what's a little bit odd about this camera is that there's no viewfinder. What you have to do is you shine a laser dot where you want to focus on and you actually have to use a tape measure for the focus and then you set a wheel on the camera and you know really it's because you know for only $120 you know you're getting a camera with a motion detector and it's also weatherproof so they have to cut corners somewhere Somewhere, so um, I set it up there and um, I had it gone for several nights taking pictures and it would take over 100 pictures yeah because you know with the flash you can also have video but I didn't want to do that and I would take it in, and I'd look at the pictures, and again, I, I got a mouse once. But you didn't think you a whole... lowered the sensitivity to it, right? No, I had to keep it high for that spot. Okay. But I kept it away from the, um, ducks, from and the geese, ducks and geese, so that if it flashed, it wouldn't bother him. But now, you kind of doubted the wisdom of my even putting a camera in the barn, right? Well, I didn't think anything was out there besides mice. I just thought it was kind of silly. I really didn't think the mink or anything came in the barn anymore, so what's the point of putting that out there? So we went several nights with me. What you have to do to check your pictures is, since there's no viewer on the camera, you pop out the um, SD card, and I take it in and plug it into my computer. And for several nights, I would just go through, and if I saw saw anything, I just saw a mouse. But then, probably three nights ago now, I looked at what it recorded, and I found this little glint way in the corner of the picture. And I thought, what the heck is that? So I moved those cameras to my computer, and then I... Well, tell them where it's focused now. It's focused just by our uh, hydrant, our pump. By the main door and by the hydrant and the hose that come down from the hydrant. Right. And so I zoomed in on that, and lo and behold, there's a little weasel. (laughs) And it's, what do you think, it's about 10 inches a foot long, maybe at most? It's hard to tell. It's hunched up, and it's sitting by the base of that hydrant looking for water, I think. But, I mean, very clearly, it's a weasel. It's a weasel little glowing eye that was caught in the light. Now, what was interesting was that he did not go anywhere near the door where the animals are. So we think... As far as we know. Well, the camera didn't catch him there. So it looked like the the 15 shots we got of him, he was just hanging around the hydrant. So Looking for water. Yeah, maybe he was drinking water. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, this would be a good thing for people who want to know what animals are on their property because it's weatherproof. And I'm going to keep it out in the barn a, a couple more weeks to see if the mink is coming because minks sometimes only make their rounds every once a month. That's right. Then we might try it outdoors in front of a hole. That's We wonder if a fox lives yeah, in there. Yeah, there's a big, well, there's two holes out in the woods. When we went for a walk the other day, they're big, big holes. I would really, really like to know what that is that comes out of that hole. You could mount it on a tree nearby. Yep, so uh, this is a good product for seeing what's out there, and like I say, it's motion-triggered, so uh, it's pretty cool. I'm going to very briefly tell you about uh, another product I got, and I found this on Amazon. This is really cool. Yeah, I have a DSLR, a digital single-lens reflex camera, and I thought I could get a really good picture of our pileated woodpecker if I wasn't right out there. you know, Standing there. Yeah, and I could get a much better picture than I could get with this BirdCam 2.0. So I found this gizmo on Amazon. It's called an intervalometer. So that's the word interval with ometer after it. And um, I hooked it up to my Nikon D3100. And what it lets you do 
is automatically take a picture. It can take a picture every second if you wanted to, or every hour. So I set my camera on a tripod, focused on the suet, and set this thing to take a picture every minute. And we walked away, and I had it going for three hours, and we didn't even know again that the pileated had showed up. Mm -hmm. But just like with the bird cam, the pileated woodpecker showed up. And I looked in this time because I was using my much more really expensive good camera. Good camera. Yeah. I got really, really yeah, nice pictures, pictures of the pillion. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. And so Linda's going to talk about the wood ducks in a little while after our break, but I just want to mention that we have wood ducks coming around. And again, the wood ducks you can't get close enough to to get a good picture. So I had a green sheet hanging in our fence. I just poked the lens of my camera through that. I focused on a little pile of scratch feed that the ducks would come and eat from and then I set the camera again to, with that intervalometer to take a picture every minute Took really good pictures. and I got some really good pictures yeah. of the wood ducks without me being out there and so that's a good way to go. Was so, that your good camera? Yeah that's my good camera yeah. so if you want to email me for information on either of these two products and again we're not selling them and no. we're not representing them Just give but ideas uh, to people. so I'll give I can email me at bob at PetLifeRadio.com, and you can probably think of a lot of uses for both of these. And so the first product is BirdCam 2.0, really fun product. And the second is just this really kind of handy timer, and they make it to fit a lot of different DSLRs. And uh, that's called, the company's called Aperture. It's spelled funny, A-P-U instead of Aperture, A-P-U-R. And I can give you information on that, too. So. I want to make a remark about the wood ducks. When you had a tripod set up out there with a camera in it facing towards the area, yeah. that didn't work too well because they were very suspicious of that tripod. And I noticed they hung as far away from that as they could and just were skittish about it. Whereas behind the green sheet, they don't know what's there. Yep, that's right. The first time I tried using the bird cam to get a picture, and bird they, cam doesn't have a telephoto didn't know about lens. That, they didn't like it because I had it on a tripod. If Even I would have just set wasn't the, that close to them either. If I would have just set the bird cam on the floor, it might not have bothered them because it's painted green and it kind of blends in. But yeah. they didn't like the tripod. The tripod. So, so that's why I used my good camera. I set it back. So, so we're coming to the break, and then after that, Linda's going to kind of take over and talk about the things she wants to talk about, including. Including, uh, well, she'll let you know. So, you are listening to a long overdue episode of What Were You Thinking with Bob and Linda. Hello. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Go to PetcoDeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetcoDeals.com. But, but that's not all. Are you talking to me? Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cycle.
Cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. Go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com. To order your Dyson animal back today. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Ever wonder what it would be like to live in a perfect world for cats? I'm Pamela Merritt from The Way of Cats, long-time cat rescuer, full-time cat appreciator. Join me and my cats, James Bond, RJ, Olwyn, and Tristan in a perfect world. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, you're listening to What Were You Thinking? with Bob Tart, author of a few books, and uh, Linda Tart. And Linda, you had some things you want to talk about in our next 15 minutes. Well, one thing is that we have um, wood ducks come every year at the time our woods floods. They come here to swim around in the pond. And then uh, years ago, we started putting scratch feed on this hill that, by this gate out back. And they come up the hill and they eat from these piles of scratch feed. So usually we have like from 10 to 12, something like that, every year. The same group, I presume, or relatives of. So this year we probably have between 6 and 8, I think. So we've had like seven wood ducks coming up the hill, fighting over the piles of food. They're kind of macho little ducks. And little stubby legs, they waddle up the hill with their wives and they eat food out out of the piles there. So we have, I want to remark about the floods that we have here in in Grand Rapids area this year. Should we tell people just a little bit about, I mean, wood ducks, some people don't know what they are and these are not your normal mallard-like ducks. These are spectacular. They're very beautifully colored and designed ducks. All different colors, a brown and black and white, a red and yellow on their bill. They're a beautiful, beautiful duck. They look hand-painted. Yeah, they really do. And pinstriped. The They're male. such gorgeous ducks. The male has a crest. and Yeah, yep, they have like a crown-looking, helmet-y-looking thing on their head. And the females are brown with a white circle around their eyes. They're both very pretty ducks. Okay. So, yeah, we're very lucky to have them. And they do come every year around this time of year. 
and they stay as long as there's water and that they can swim in out there. They they come around. Yep. You want to talk about the flood? So we've had a flood a flood here for the past two weeks or over. It's the biggest flood that we've had since I think 1948, which is the year I was born. So that 65 years, it's the biggest flood we've had since then. And the neighbor's driveway has been flooded out, and they had to go stay somewhere else for two weeks. They just came back, and that was two weeks and one day. It's been flooded way high in our our woods and back on their property. And uh, I asked him how high it went. And his lower floor looks like a basement, but it's it's, it's a basement, but it sits above ground. And he said it went to the top of his legs, so that's how high the water was. So once it does start to recede, it recedes real fast. And about three days ago, what would you say, three days ago, it started to recede. Right. And it's the driveway is now open, and they went back there. So, at any rate, it's just amazing the amount of water there was on the roads and everywhere else, and it was on the news every night, a big spectacular scene. Yeah, it was um, kind of grim in parts of Lowell, flooding around people's houses. Oh, came right up to the house and in the house, and people were trying to sweep it out of the basements continuously. But I felt sorry for our neighbors, because they're brand new neighbors. They only moved in last fall, and here already they had to spend how long in a motel? Two weeks. Two weeks in one day. Yeah. So, yeah, that was just, um, they were, I'm sure they're very happy to get back. How much rain do you remember did we get? I mean, we got a lot of rain. Oh, man. There was one period where in just a couple of days, didn't we get four or five inches of rain? Yeah. Yeah, it kept raining day after day after day after day. It just didn't stop. It was, um, I don't know how many inches total. No, but it was, it was I don't remember anything like that before. It no, quite... we've never. We had a huge rain and flooding in 2004 in which the water came up on their driveway. There was different people living there at that time above four feet, maybe mm-hmm. above five feet because mm-hmm. there was a marker there on that driveway and that's how we that's what it, it must have been that much this time don't you think yeah i it think was so really I really so. high yep so that was a big thing around here to see that um let's see what else we did lose a couple of our pets in the past uh, couple months we lost rudy our little rabbit who was probably nine and a half years old something like that so just um you know he was an older duck that passed from <laughs> you said duck. duck yeah i'm thinking duck so anyway little rudy and then we what was it a couple of weeks ago we lost little harvey our parakeet that was also about that age or maybe even a little older so it seems kind of bare in the dining room now with two of our pets gone. But we're looking for another parakeet, but we can't find one that's hand-raised. guess they don't hand-raise parakeets too much anymore. We've tried. I've called all over the place in the bird club and everywhere else. So if anybody knows in the Grand Rapids area where they have some hand-raised parakeets, they tend to make better pets. You can get them in and out of their cages easier. They, when they come out to play, they go back in easier, and they're just they make better pets altogether. Yep. People just don't do hand-raised parakeets much anymore because it's so much trouble. And I remember a few years ago when we were looking at them, a pet shop wanted $150 for a hand-raised parakeet. When you think about it, that's not so much for a bird that, you know, uh, Harvey, a lot of years, Harvey lived about 10 years, and it's a real nice pet. But on the other hand, people just have this built-in thing that... They think parakeets should only be $25, $30 or something, I think. Yeah, you know? I guess to hand-raise them, they have a little tiny beak. They're a little tiny bird when they're babies. They're very hard to feed. They're not the easiest thing to feed, and it takes a long time. There's a lot of time involved in doing that, and just with the economy being like it is, people just aren't into it like they were. They don't do as many bird shows or anything. But so Harvey, that's what, Harvey was just the sweetest bird. I want to say about him, he was our little social butterfly 
when we went to cover the cages up at night, of course, he would not go in because he wanted to sit and talk to the birds. Yeah, we let our birds out. We let them out from about about the time I start dinner, and they stay out until, what, 7 or something like that, or after dinner. And um, he loved the birds. He loved talking to two or three of the birds. And he would light on the cage of Howard, who's our old dove, have a little talk with him. Of course, we wanted to cover Howard's cage. And he would sit and talk with him. We'd go, come on, you got to go now. Howard's got to be covered up. Then he would go, light on the next cage of Georgie the parakeet. And he would talk with him a while. So he would go from cage to cage to cage till he came to his cage to be covered. And then he would finally fly in. But And that's the way he was. He was just a very social bird, sweet. He'd talk all day long. I mean, not, and people talk, but chatter all day long. If there wasn't anything else to talk to, he'd talk to the bars of the cage or his mirror. He had a nice long life, and he, he did. was a he happy, was happy, happy, happy He was happy every day of his life. And our little rabbit, Rudy, was probably sweet, one of the sweetest bunnies we've ever had. One of the sweetest bunnies we ever had. So when just, you know, it's hard not having them, but it was their time to go. And when they just die of old age like that, it's not as hard as other things that you yeah. might endure. So, but we do miss them. We do miss them. Yep. So let's see, what else did you want to talk about? Last weekend, we had a wonderful bird watching weekend. It's just, I felt like it was kind of a belated uh, birthday present from the Lord or something because uh, my birthday was kind of a crummy, gloomy day. We couldn't even get special food that day up the street at the place that sells Thai food and stuff. So I felt like, I, you know, I felt like it was kind of a compensation. We went bird watching two days in a row, once at a place called Reed's Lake and once at a place called Lincoln Lake the next day. And what did we see the first day? Well, Reed's Lake. It's only a few minutes away. It's not real it's far. It's in East Grand Rapids. East Grand Rapids. And, and the there's fir- a beautiful park there. Yep. And the first thing we saw, and we had never seen these before, and they're just stunningly oh. cute, beautiful birds. They're called horned grebes. And they were right up by the shore. Right by the shore. Didn't move when we walked down there. Bob got beautiful pictures of them. I couldn't get over that they just sat there. These three little little duck-like birds. Yeah, they're real. They're a tiny little duck, and they have this tufty thing. How would you describe that? By their where their ears would be. Yeah, they're duck-like birds. They're duck-like birds, yeah. and kind of like coots, about the size of a coot. If yep. you know what those are. Yep. So we saw that, and what else did we see in that? Way spot? out in Reed's Lake, we saw um, a couple loons. Yeah, they were way out. And then we walked down to this other trail area that leads to a boardwalk, and we saw coots real close they were mm-hmm. right close in these bushes in the water what would you call were those bushes they're like bushes in yep. the water and then buffleheads which are a tiny little duck that has black and white kind of an interesting shape big head. white patch on the head yeah they're, they have a really neat shaped head and we there saw was a couple loons again a couple at least loons one. closer than what the other loons were that we saw in the other location there at reed's lake what else did we see there? That was pretty much it there. I mean, that was the main Greaves, thing. Was there more graves there, too? I don't know. It was a we bunch saw of, one or two more. So that was, we had a wonderful day bird watching that day. Then he got on internet, and there's a bird watching, tells things going on with the birds around the area. Lincoln Lake is where we went the next day. Never been there before. Never been it's there. It's about, um, about 20 miles north of yeah, here or something about, like what, that. It's about half an hour, 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was a wonderful day. It was a beautiful sunlit day, blue sky, sunshine. For a change. For a change. You don't get those around here lately. And in the distance, we saw a little bit of something at the public access site. But in the distance, over to the what direction that be, we saw, it looked like 200 ducks over there. And we tried to find an access to that. Of course, it was private roads. But we just went on this little dirt road that was over by where the 200 ducks were, parked the car, got our binoculars out. We didn't get out of the car. But there was nine different kinds of ducks. Unbelievable. Yep. 
Yep, Unbelievable. We saw, I can't remember Red-headed. Them all. Red-headed canvasback. Uh, canvasback was, I wouldn't have even known what that was. was Bob knew what it was. Uh, was there a widgeon? There was a, some widgeons. There were scop. Plenty of scop. Was I think there was plenty of scop, I think. Scop. Uh, there was a ringneck duck. Yeah, there was a lot of ringneck ducks. Buffleheads. Buffleheads. There were actually a couple ruddy ducks. And, uh, yep, yep, and there was right. a loon. And the more you looked, the more you saw yeah, of, of everything. Those red-headed really ones, I never see those. And there was a ton of those. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Oh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I just, It's great to go out and once in a while just see a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I saw some pretty rare birds recently because now there's this uh, really top-notch birder in Grand Rapids named Caleb Putnam has started a email alert for rare birds in our area. And I got to see, and so these are all either uh, in our county or just outside it. So I got to rush to the southern part of Kent County. I saw a cattle egret. And these are little tiny egrets about the size of a green hare. And just, you know. They look like snowy egret, only they're small. Very small. Very small. And that's very unusual. Those are more Florida kind of birds. And then another week I got a tip and I saw two other geese I'd never seen before. Uh, I saw Ross's, six Ross's geese. They kind of look like snow geese. And then these uh, things called greater white-fronted geese. To me, they look like gray lag geese, barnyard geese. But so that was real fun. Those were rare, rare birds to see. And so yeah. thanks to Kayla Putnam and yeah. his group, I was able to just drive right over and see it's them. It's wonderful being on that because you get alerted to stuff you'd never ever know about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just been great. Did you have other things you want to talk about? Yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, okay. We have a little bit more more time yeah. left. Let's see. What should we talk about? We could talk a little Daffodils bit. Daffodils are blooming. Yeah. So, you know, it, you get a long winter, and it's just gray all the time, especially in Michigan. It's gloomy all the time. So finally in the spring, when you get green grass everywhere, very lush-looking after this long winter of grayness. And then the daffodils actually came up. Golly, it had to be a month and a half, two months ago on this one day. We had those 57 degrees for a couple, three days, warmer weather. Things came up but didn't bloom, of course. But the daffodils bloomed recently, and they're all blooming out. Most of them are blooming out there in the yard. And I'll tell you, I cut a bouquet of these daffodils. There's all different kinds, and it's just like a ray of sunshine on the windowsill. I absolutely love them. Yeah, this has been a miserable April up until these last few it's days. It's been like winter. It really has. I mean, it actually had snow, snow, snow last more week. Snow. It was like the 24th or 23rd of yeah. April yeah. in Michigan, and it was snowing, which is pretty unusual. And there were... I'd say the first week of January was probably warmer than most of it April. It was, it was. April, and so that was Dusty, our uh, African gray when parrot. When he wants our attention, he plucks the uh, bars. Yeah, so it's just been, we keep wondering, when is spring going to get here? So it seems to be finally here. Yeah, we think it is. We hope it is. Yep. Yeah. So that's about it from this uh, long overdue episode of What Were You Thinking? How come we waited so long? I don't know. We seem to usually have things to say. Yeah. So thanks to you for uh, listening to us. And you can email me at bob at petliferadio.com. Go to my website, which is bobtart.com, B O B T A R T E.com. And there's information on my three books, Enslaved by Ducks, Follow Weather, and my book, Kitty Cornered, about our cats. And thanks so much to our producer, Mark Winter, at Pet Life Radio. Hi, Mark. And we'd like to hear your pet stories. Yeah, so uh, drop us an email. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? 
with exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.